This is the Brown Spider, and you're listening to the Browns Huddle Podcast. This podcast is part of the Zedia Network. That's media with a Z. For more information on the Zedia Network, you can check them out on Twitter, at Zedia Network. Now to the show. Hello, Browns football nation. Welcome to the Brown Subtle Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Hand. It's Saturday, September the 19th, and this is episode 16. This episode is brought to you by Todd Pennington with Columbus-based Revolution Mortgage. He is the proud sponsor of the Brown Sundle Podcast. If you're looking to refinance into a very competitive, low-rate, cash-out-for-debt consolidation or home improvements, now is the time with historically low rates. Sorry I'm out of breath, but I'm excited. Contact Todd Pennington at 614 614- Three nine zero nine five two zero. Again, that number is six one four three nine zero nine five two zero. Or visit revolutionmortgage.com forward slash T Pennington for more info. Revolution Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS ID one six eight six zero four six. What a game, Browns fans! What a game! The Browns came away with a victory on Thursday night football. They defeated the Cincinnati Bengals 35 to 30 to improve their record to one and one for the season. They now have a nice break to get ready for the Washington football team coming up next weekend. But first, we're going to break down this game that just happened because it was an exciting one, a well-needed victory, and to help us celebrate that a little later. We're going to welcome in a friend of the show, the Brown Spider. He's going to join the Brown Subtle podcast to help us break down the Cincinnati Bengals-Cleveland Browns game on that Thursday night football thriller. He was actually at the game, so I was, I, you know, I'm excited to have him on the, on the show. I mean, <laughs> he was one of 6,000 fans that were allowed in First Energy Stadium, so he's going to have insight that that we, the audience, didn't see on TV. He's going to give us um, a fan's perspective from inside the stadium. So we're definitely looking forward to that. I'm going to welcome him, him in the show in just a couple of minutes while I catch my breath because, man, I am just pumped, dude. We needed this victory bad. We were 0-1 going into this game. We lost a, a, a crushing blow to the Baltimore Ravens we just didn't look right we looked like a team that didn't look like it even deserved to be on the football field we got crushed but this game was a lot different we came out we executed a solid game plan Um, we had a solid game plan to begin with that's that's square number one we had a solid game plan for the for the game and we executed that plan and we came away with some uh, strong performances on both sides of the ball so let's get into some Game day stats, Baker Mayfield, our quarterback, our captain, our leader, was 16 of 23, 219 yards, two touchdowns, and one INT. We'll talk about that a little later. Nick Chubb had 22 carries for 124 yards and two touchdowns. 
and his, you know, if you call him Batman, his Robin, Kareem Hunt, had 10 carries for 86 yards, 86 well-needed yards. He had two touchdowns, one receiving and one on the ground. OBJ had a performance that, quite frankly, we were all looking for. We were wait, we, we thought it was going to happen last week. It didn't. But this week, he was six of four, six targets, four receptions, 74 yards. And he had that long touchdown pass from Baker Mayfield, 43 yards. It was electrifying. It was awesome. I was jumping up and down. I was jumping out of my seat. I think I spilled my beer, but it's okay. I'll call the, call the carpet cleaners next week. It's no problem. We needed that. OBJ, we, we, we need him in the ball game. And I saw a different OBJ in week two than I did in week one. Um, that 43-yard touchdown helped. But, man, that just really helped the whole team. You just really saw that when he caught that pass from Baker Mayfield for that 43-yard touchdown pass, you just felt it um, coming through the television set, the energy and what it must felt on the on the sideline. I can only imagine, but it definitely injected a boost into our offense that we definitely desperately needed. I'm going to mention Jarvis Landry. He was hurt coming to this game. He has a, a, a sore hip. I don't think it's serious, but he played anyways. He was targeted three times. He caught it three times for 46 yards. He's a, he's a soldier, man. I mean, he's the leader of our team. He's one of the leaders of our team. So for him to just even be out there and then not only be out there, but perform was uh, just a good sight to see. Cody Parkey, you know, um, he was on our practice squad. Of course, we fired Austin Seibert last week and he uh, signed with the Cincinnati Bengals. But uh, Cody Parkey was five of five for extra points. So that was exciting to see. That's we, we don't normally see that kind of performance, but we didn't need him to kick any field goals. Um, we'll, we'll get into that in just a few seconds. But yeah, five of five extra points. That's hey, he did what we asked him to do. Whenever he was called on the field, he executed. So that was good to see. Defense, three sacks. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, Miles Garrett, Adrian Claiborne, all of them had a sack apiece. Garrett with one forced fumble. That brings me to the Revolution Mortgage play of the game. You know it. The Browns failed to get in the end zone on fourth down. They ran the ball three times, four times, failed to get in. Some thought we should have kicked a field goal, but we didn't. We went for it on fourth down. We didn't get in. The Bengals were backed up on the one-yard line. But wait, the Browns get called for offsides. Oh, no, the Bengals move up to the six-yard line. It's, it's not looking good. On the next play, though, Miles Garrett gets to Joe Burrow. Knocks the ball out, and Joe Jackson recovers the fumble. Nick Chubb then runs it in for a touchdown on the very next play. I thought that was one of the keys to getting uh, the Browns getting the victory. That is our Revolution Mortgage play of the game. Next, the drive of the game. I got to tell you, this is um, <laughs> before this particular drive. I was nervous, folks. Um, we've, if you've been a Browns fan a long time, you'll know that the Browns uh, in this situation in the past have gone three and out and then 
the, the other team would get the ball and we would blow a lead and end up losing the ball game. That is not what happens here. And this is my Revolution Mortgage drive of the game. Late in the game, the Bengals just scored, bringing the score to 23-28. Browns still have the lead, but just barely. And it's just under six minutes in the game. And I have to admit, man, like I said before, I was nervous. We have blown leads before. It would be a Browns thing to do. If the Browns went three and out and Joe Burrow got the ball, we saw what happened last week with the Los Angeles Chargers. Burrow can drive the ball late in the game and beat you that way. But that's not what happened on Thursday night. The Browns ran the ball effectively, mostly with Kareem Hunt. They ran the ball all the way down the field and eventually getting the touchdown that helped seal the victory. I got to tell you, that drive was needed. Um, I think it was a defining moment, not only in that game, but in future games, in this, in the chemistry of this Browns team. That game, that that drive was just awesome. I love to see it, man. Um, I, 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 I just couldn't believe my eyes. You know, I was expecting, you know, in the past we would see, uh, not that, I'm not knocking Baker Mayfield, okay? I, I love Baker Mayfield, okay? Duly noted, I love Baker Mayfield. But in the past, we would run the ball on first or second down or pa- and then pass the ball on third or third and fourth down. But that's not what happened here. We ran the ball effectively. Baker Mayfield was a game manager, and that drive helped seal the victory. And I think it's going to be – it's going to help us get more victories this year. So I was excited to see that, that drive for sure. Um, players that performed, you know, I just mentioned Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield had a great game. You know, as I mentioned, he passed for 219 yards, two TDs. He did have that one interception, um, that, you know, he wishes he probably had back, but the play action pass was, was happening for Baker Mayfield. He was accurate. Um, that's something that was not happening in week one, but this week he was accurate. He was rolling out to the left and the right. Um, he was getting in the the ball in the playmaker's hands, which I thought was good. He was focused. You know, I, I was watching him warm up before the game. He had the hood on. He just looked focused, man. But in this game, he was a game manager, and that's exactly what we need out of Baker. Moving on to the receivers, OBJ. You know, I'd mentioned earlier he caught that 43-yard touchdown pass. That set the pace for the night. We needed that. There's no doubt we needed that touchdown pass from OBJ. And I just hope that we see more and more and more passes like that from Mayfield to OBJ this year. At least another nine to ten of them would be beautiful. But that particular touchdown was awesome. Um, It helped us take control of the game, and I was just glad to see it. The running game. I can't say enough about the running game. You know, uh, Browns Twitter, Browns fans, we've been screaming from the rooftops to get the, the running game going. We, we Screaming at Freddie Kitchens last year, run the ball, give the ball to Chubb, give the ball to Hunt, and he just wasn't doing it. But this game, Kevin Stefanski's offense, this game, I mentioned the game plan, 
we were running the ball and the game plan was beautiful. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt had 210 rushing yards, 24 receiving yards with a total combined 234 yards and four touchdowns in this game. Four touchdowns from our from our backfield, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Awesome. Man, <laughs> if we could run the ball like this every game, which, I mean, I don't see why we couldn't, you know. Um, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt arguably – Two of the, you know, definitely in the top 10, but arguably the top seven or eight running backs in the whole entire league. I mean, Nick Chubb, he almost had the rushing title last year. Kareem Hunt in his own right won it three or four years ago. So we have a great backfield and I'm excited about it. They just really showed what 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 us as fans have been looking to see. Total dominance in the running game. Um, so I hope we see that moving forward. Our defensive line as a whole, I, you know, before this game, I was asking the defensive line to pressure Burrow, to create chaos, to, um, you know, to create some sacks, turnovers. And that's exactly what they did. Sheldon Richardson was all over the field. Um, he was running up and down the field. He was getting past their offensive linemen. Miles Garrett the one four sack that was crucial. I mean, he was our play of the game, in my opinion. Um, Porter Gustin, you know, filling in nicely for Olivier Vernon. They just created chaos back there. They, that defensive line I thought was the, 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 the highlight of our defense. Um, I, I look for them to improve in games moving forward, but Thursday night I thought they did a great job. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Denzel Ward. He was all over A.J. Green. I've seen A.J. Green burn us in the past. Um, he's been out for the last season or so. I think the last two seasons he's been injured. But, I, you know, before this game, honestly, I thought that was one of the key ingredients is that we had to not let A.J. Green burn us. And Denzel Ward did a great job. You know, A.J. Green had 29 uh, yards receiving. So you can't ask for better than that. He didn't find the end zone. Perfect. That's exactly what you want to see out of our star cornerback, Denzel Ward. I thought he did a great job uh, covering A.J. Green, getting in his face. Even one of the catches he did uh, receive, um, Denzel Ward, Ward's hands were all in uh, the cradle of A.J. Green. He, A.J. Green just made a good play. He still caught the ball. That's what great receivers do. But, you know, Denzel Ward did great. Uh, Sandejo, he had a horrible game week one. He led us in tackles this game. He, he had 10 tackles. Um, I thought he did better. Ronnie Harrison, it didn't show up in the stat lines. And some people murdered me for saying that, that I thought he did good, but I just thought his leadership was, was good in the Browns defense. And remember he's new. He doesn't know, um, our defensive scheme yet. I mean, he knows it, but he doesn't know all the plays. He's only going to get better. I just thought he did a good job uh, being a veteran leader in this defense that was well needed against the Cincinnati Bengals' potent offense. As we look at the Bengals' offense, Joe Burrow threw it 61 times. Amazing, 61 times. And he was 37 of 61, 316 yards, three TDs, zero INTs. I know that he's a Cincinnati Bengal. They're an AFC North rival. But I, I like Joe Burrow. Uh, I like his game. Um, he's going to be a great quarterback for them for years to come. 
And uh, this AFC North just got a little bit better with Joe Burrow. So <laughs> he's going to be good for, for them. And I'm s- sorry that I have to say that, but he just is. Joe Mixon, he ran all over us last year. I thought the defense did an excellent job containing him. He only had 46 yards on 16 carries. Tyler Boyd was their leading receiver. He caught seven balls for 72 yards and a touchdown. And their defensive line, the Bengals' defensive line, had zero sacks. So kudos to our offensive line for keeping our uh, quarterback, Baker Mayfield, safe. So, anyways, we're going to get into a lot of this with the Brown Spider. He's going to come in in just a couple of minutes. But I, I, I would just say as some final thoughts, you know, This was one game, folks. It's one game, but it was a needed victory. We we had to have this victory. Going into this season, I saw the Browns as being 0-1 going into this game. But what I didn't know is that our defeat to the Ravens would be so lopsided. I didn't know that we would get crushed like we did. So I, you know, I was nervous going into this Bengals game. I was very excited to see us come into this game with a great game plan. We executed well. We looked like a real football team. And Kevin Stefanski, he showed us the blueprint of what this football team's going to look like, and it's only going to get better. Um, We're we're a running football team. That's what we are. I think our our blueprint for success is between Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, we run the ball 35 times a game at least right around there, 35 times. That's going to open up Baker Mayfield to hit our tight ends, to hit OBJ for three or four long balls, um, hit hit, um, Jarvis Landry in the slant. That's going to open all that up, but it starts with our run game. And really it starts with our offensive line. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about our run game. Um, I think it's just going to get better as the weeks move on. We have – uh, you know, six days till kickoff against the Washington football team. It's going to be in Cleveland. So we have uh, some nice days of practice coming up so we can brush brush up on the offense and defense. Um, I look for a good game in that one. We'll break that down next week. So, yeah, I'm excited about this team moving forward. We do have some things to tighten up, of course, right? We have a long way to go, of course, but we are seeing what type of coach, what kind of coach that we have in Kevin Stefanski, all right? This is a guy that he takes risks. You know, we've seen it in the first couple games. He took the risk on on the punt deep in our territory. It didn't work out, but it was a risk. He went for it on fourth down in this game. It was a risk. It didn't work out. It ended up working out, which ended up, in my opinion, being our play of the game. But, uh, you know, we have a coach that's going to take some risk. I I like his demeanor on the sideline. I think he stays calm in all situations. He he doesn't change much in his demeanor. He he just stays calm. He stays focused. I think he has our team. I don't want to say penalty free, but he has them disciplined. I mean, how many Browns teams have we seen in the past where you have 10? 12, 14 penalties in a game. I think uh, we were under 10 penalties each one of these two uh, first ball games. So he's got his discipline. And the one thing I like about him is that Kevin Stefanski can make adjustments. We saw from week one to week two, he's made huge adjustments in just a short amount of time. So this is a coach that can make adjustments. 
Um, he's going to keep us uh, in a run balanced offense. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about the, the the way that Kevin Stefanski has this ball ball club and the way that, the way that we're moving. So it was a great game. It was an exciting game. It was a needed victory. We are moving on to the Washington football team next week. But to recap this last game that we just played on Thursday night, we are going to bring into the Brown Settle podcast, the Brown Spider. This is the second time on the show. I had him on a couple months ago. He's a awesome fan. He knows the, the, the game of football. He was at First Energy Stadium Thursday night. And I'm going to welcome in the Brown Spider to the Brown Huddle podcast. We are going to take just a quick break and we will be talking to the Brown Spider. I am excited to welcome in one of 6,000 lucky fans who got to attend the Bengals versus Browns Thursday night football game in First Energy Stadium, the Brown Spider. Spider, <laughs> welcome to the Brown Huddle podcast. Howdy. Thanks How you doing tonight, man? I'm good, man. I'm fabulous, especially after that win. Let me let me ask you how this sounds. The Cleveland Browns win. The Browns win. How does that sound to your ears, man? <laughs> That's beautiful. It was awesome. Oh man, that, that that win on Thursday night, and we'll get into this, but that win was needed. Um, I actually predicted that the Browns would be going into this game 0-1. I had no idea they would lose to the Ravens in the fashion that they did, but that's what happened, and we found ourselves going into Thursday night football with a desperate win, and that's exactly what we got. So I'm excited to talk to you about that tonight. Good deal, man. Yeah, I, I didn't feel good about, you know, going against the Ravens, you know, COVID season and a new whole new coaching staff, and, and uh, we, you know, we felt good about whipping them last year in week four, but they did not lose another game after that, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the regular season. So, you know, they're a pretty solid team, you know, more than solid. Hell, they were 14 and two. So I didn't feel too good about going into, uh, into Baltimore to start the season. I, I just kind of wrote that one off before it even happened. Yeah. It, it, you know, the, the win, the win Thursday night just really gave the, not only the Cleveland Browns, but just Browns fans everywhere, just, uh, you know, hope. Um, we didn't feel too good going into that Thursday night game. I, I can't speak for you, but I was very nervous going into that game. Uh, you know, Joe, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals almost came from behind and beat the Chargers uh, the previous Sunday. So, man, I was nervous going into this game, but it worked out, man. We, we uh, looked good and we got the win. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't quite know what to expect. Um, We've had an expectation in terms of the zone run scheme and with Chubb and Hunt, but we didn't see it versus the Ravens, really. And so we're like, okay, what is this going to be? What is the fancy going to do? Is, is it going to be what we expected? Is it going to be something different? Um, but uh, we've got what we've been hoping for, you know, at least as far as the run game is concerned and the play action pass and all that. So that you know, was really good to see. Uh, obviously, the defense has some holes to shore up, but uh, hell, we outscored someone in a shootout. How about that? How about that? 
Well, before we get into the actual game itself, uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, you were one of 6,000 fans that were able to see the game in First Energy Stadium. So I want to get into that experience. Um, when did sure, you yeah. first learn that you were able to go to the game? Oh, let's see. Maybe that was uh, Monday or Tuesday. Um, so, you know, I'm a season ticket holder, but I opted out because – you know, God knew what was going to happen, and I wasn't going to let them hold my money for a year. Uh, you know, I haven't got enough money. So, um, and then they said, well, 6,000 fans can go, and uh, the opportunity to purchase would be based on senior, uh, season ticket uh, seniority, and those who opted in, you know, let the, uh, the organization keep their money and, and transfer it to 2021. Uh, got first dibs on tickets, so I was out of that. I was watching uh, one of the, uh, you know, the shows, I think, uh, Browns Live, I think it was, and they advertised this best fan energy contest, you know, win free tickets, post on social media under hashtag best fan energy, and they're doing that for the rest of the year, by the way. So I posted some old videos and pictures of me at games, and they inboxed me, hey, you won you won the tickets. I was like, holy smack, that's great. Wow. So, you know, two free tickets. They were in uh, section 145 on the you know, end zone section, um, opposite the dog pound. Really good seats, row 17. So it was great. Well, I'm I'm interested to not only know what the going-ons was inside the stadium, but I'm also looking to find out what was going on outside the stadium. Um, what, what was going on before the game, before the gates opened? What was going on outside the Cleveland Browns stadium? Well, it was really uneventful. Now, when you think about it, because I usually like buy my parking in advance uh, and things like that. But, you know, you're talking about 6,000 fans instead of 60,000. So the numbers of people downtown before the game was it was sparse you know as, as compared to normally you know so it was real easy getting in real easy getting out not a lot of crowds uh they had us routed to where you had to go in a particular entrance based on your ticket they had the uh, stadium quarantined off into like four sections so uh you know we went into our proper gate no lines you know went right in um the you know the lines at the concessions were pretty short um the liquor line was kind of long and i didn't want to miss the kickoff so I had, to, I had to go back after the first quarter to get actual liquor i didn't want to drink a bunch of beer and miss the game in the bathroom so uh yeah but downtown was kind of it's quiet you know i mean this this COVID thing just makes the world a totally different place yeah, so, okay, so there is no tailgating outside the stadium. Were there any safety checks getting into the stadium? Uh, yeah, but it was nothing um, more unusual than regular. I don't even remember if they checked my temperature or not. Maybe they did. And I'm used to that because I work in a hospital, but I don't even remember that. And, again, there were so few people that everything was just really, really simple, you know? Outside of the stadium was uneventful. Downtown was quiet, obviously. Again, no tailgating. I think they did 
in the muni lot they did a, a food pantry giveaway most of the afternoon well, i'm sure so if they did take your stadium they would see that you were fired up to get into the game yeah man uh you know i was jacked up i, I probably would have uh, been hot but uh, you know we just slid right on in there you know a lot of room not a lot of fans but the fans that were there were you know the diehards everybody was jacked up and ready to go you've been to plenty of uh, browns games in first energy stadium what was the atmosphere like for this game oh man people were jacked up and it was surprisingly um loud for it only being six thousand fans there you know um people were pretty spaced out you know people were high-fiving in the air on good plays because you know social distancing um some drunk guy tried to hug, hug my brother <laughs> <laughs> bro it's uh social distancing what the hell are you doing i mean you know how it is when things are going well and everybody's hugging strangers and stuff but it's still corona season bro what's up with that but um yeah it was good man the energy was good everybody was live everybody was excited and and then you know we're looking good off, you know, off rip. So, that, you know, the, the team gave us a lot of uh, reason to be energized, you know. You, you, could, um, you could definitely hear the fans on the TV. Um, there is no question about that. It, you know, honestly, if, 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 I was, if I didn't know Corona was going on and I didn't see the stadiums were, was empty, I, I would have no idea. Did, did, did you have a sense that they were pumping crowd noise in the stadium, or was everything you heard organic? I think they were pumping crowd noise in it in the stadium because I heard kind of a, a dull hum or, you know, sort of the, the regular sort of undercurrent of crowd noise. But the fans were definitely loud. And I don't know if they were uh, sort of reprocessing the fan noise and making it louder, but I, you know, I saw some post-game interviews where the players were saying, you know, it's good to hear the fans yelling at the appropriate time, you know, th on third downs when the big play was made versus the artificial noise they've been using in practice. So uh, the fans were definitely pumped up, and that was the bulk of what I heard. You know, uh, guys yelling, cussing out players, saying crazy stuff. You know, typical, typical Brown stuff, man. You know, it never got to that deafening roar that when we're really kicking somebody's rear end. Um, but the fans were definitely into it and definitely loud. I, I was getting ready to ask you, Spider, could, could you hear the players on the field more so Thursday night than you could previous years? You know, not really because, um, well, first of all, they had the first, I don't know how many roles just blocked off. So you couldn't even be close to the field. So if you if you rewatch the game, you'll see that uh, at least ten rows yeah, all around like the stadium, rows. yeah, were blocked off. So we were set back already to some extent, you know. So you really couldn't hear, and then the sound system was messing up. So you know, in between plays, the third down stuff, the hype stuff, you couldn't hear it. Um, and that was uh, throughout the whole game. If I if I'm uh, remember correctly, so you know, I don't know what that was about, but um, you know the fans were into it, and uh, you couldn't really hear, you know, the players so much on the field because of the lack of fans. Fans were, you know, making enough noise that 
you know, to the point where that's what you were hearing. I would imagine. I mean, 6,000 fans, normally that stadium holds, what, 60,000 fans? But I'm sure yeah, that's 60 six. Plus. Yeah, so that's only 10% of the capacity of First Energy Stadium. But I imagine those 6,000 fans that were in there were just grateful to be there, number one. But number two, it's the first home season of the, game, uh, the, of the season, and they were probably just pumped, ready for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, man. And, um, you know, the upper deck was empty. So all 6,000 were on the first and second level. So it was more concentrated uh, than if they were spread them, you know, around the whole stadium, you know. So I think that helped. Yeah. Um, the last question I have, and then we're going to get into the Bengals and Browns. Um, did you see anything crazy in, in the stands that maybe we didn't see on TV? Anything just that stuck out in your mind that was just kind of crazy? Uh, not really. A, a fight broke out. <laughs> but I didn't really see it. I just saw people running that direction. It was on our end of the stadium. You know, uh -huh. I'm, I'm like, how the hell are you fighting when you're six to ten feet away from everybody you know did they come together and get into a fight what was that about i don't know that's not the social distance that we're looking for huh no no <laughs> it was uh that was that was weird you know but um no you just normal you know football stuff the typical sunday we were just spaced out a little bit more but uh you're close enough to talk to people you know even though you were you know socially distanced so you know, my brother uh, saw somebody he knew, an old friend, you know. Um, and so it's pretty cool. All right. Well, the Cleveland Browns won that game 35-30 to 30 on Thursday Night Football. It was a lot closer than I thought it should have been. Um, my question to you is, Spider, was there ever a point in the game where you felt like we could possibly lose this game? Um, and – I have a, a point definitely, you know, through the television set when we were watching the game where I thought, oh, man, this is getting a little shaky. But what was there ever a point that you thought that, man, this is getting um, not, not so comfortable? Um, not really, man, because, you know, we, you know, they scored the, the field goal. We answered with a touchdown. Um, and then we were up by 12, 15 points most of the game. Uh, I think, in fact, I think the only time the Bengals led was when they were up three zip. So and they scored that last uh, touchdown at the very end of the game to bring it within five. So, you know, when Baker threw that interception, uh, when we were driving, we really could have put the nail in the coffin. I'm like, ah, you know, I, that was kind of their opportunity. But we, you know, we were able to stay ahead of them. And, um, so, you know, it ended up working out. But I, I never really got nervous. You know, I never really got that doomsday feeling as, that all us Browns fans are familiar with. So, Yeah, when it was five minutes and 55 seconds left in the game and the, ball, uh, the Browns got the ball back, the, we had the lead 28 to 23. I gotta tell you, buddy, I was nervous. Um, I even tweeted. <laughs> I even tweeted out and said, "Okay, let's go. Let's play smart, run the ball, control the clock, and you know, let's let's score a touchdown here and put this game away." And that's exactly what happened. We marched down the field, ran most of the time with Kareem Hunt, and ended up scoring the touchdown and kind of sealed the victory there. But 
I gotta tell you, before we got that 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 ball, uh, I was I was a little nervous at that point. Well, that last series was, um, you know, textbook, and and you really don't see a lot of teams actually able to do that. You know, okay, you're you got to lead, protect the lead, run the ball, kill the clock, all that type of stuff. But um, you know, you got Chubb, you got Hunt. Yes, the offensive line has really been shored up um, with. Uh, Surprisingly good play from Wyatt Teller. You know, he's really come on this year. The receiver, you know, I went back and rewatched the game last night. So I'm, I'm looking at the blocking, receivers blocking, tight ends blocking. You got the fullback and Janovich, you know, and they were really into it and, and feeding off, you know, what uh, Chubb and Hunt were doing, especially Hunt uh, when he came in at the end to sort of seal the deal. He was really killing it. He was. Um, there was a, a, a lot of individual performances. Uh, let's start with Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was 16 of 23, 219 yards, two TDs, and one interception that you pointed out earlier. But I thought over overall was a great performance by Baker Mayfield. I thought he was accurate. He, we, you know, he did play action passes. Um, and he got the ball in the playmaker's hands. He was focused, and most importantly, he was a game manager. Uh, what were your thoughts on Baker Mayfield? You know, we put him in the best position, or Stefanski had put him in the best position to prosper. He's doing what Baker's good at, um, the play action, getting them out on the edges, on the run. Baker's great at that. Um, not having them sit in the pocket at six foot and a half inch and just sit there and wait for um, – you know, routes to develop, you know. And so Baker's flourishing under that, and I think it's going to get even better. He's super accurate, and then when he can make that occasional spectacular play rather than having to rely on that over and over, you know, even the interception that he threw, when I watched, uh, when I rewatched the game on TV, you know, and I saw how it all developed. I'm like, okay, that, you know, that wasn't terrible. He didn't see the other corner because the wide receiver on the left came into motion and that freed up the other corner. He was just out there floating in space. And so he was able to just read the ball and pick it off. It was a, a the path would have been a dime to uh, Harrison Bryant for a touchdown. And it's the guy just undercut it. So, yeah. you know, it was a, it was right on the money, just throw. the guy was there to make a good play. Yeah, you know, so that's a, that's a learning experience, you know, because the way the Browns set up the play, that left that corner uh, free to kind of roam the field, and Baker didn't account for him. But other than that, man, he was accurate, you know, as he and he's known to be accurate. Baker's an accurate passer. You know, he's starting to settle down. The run game, the play action has allowed him to settle down and play with more confidence. I'm really loving you know, what I'm seeing, and I'm believing it's only going to get better. Odell Beckham Jr., he caught a lot of criticism last week for his not only poor performance, but his body language. He just didn't look like he was involved in the game. He wasn't involved in the game, but because of that, his body language is, was just not that good. This game was a 180, 180-degree difference. Um, he, he, he was 6 of 4, um, so he caught 4 passes, but the long – 
uh, 43-yard touchdown was electrifying. It was needed. It was just what the doctor ordered. What did you think about OBJ's performance on Thursday night? You know what? Odell is, uh, from, a, from a psychological point of view, from an emotional point of view, he is not Jarvis. He's reactionary. He reacts to circumstances. He reacts to people messing with him. You remember last year when Marlon Humphrey was beating him up versus the Ravens. He's just that sort of guy. So it takes a certain amount of success going on to keep his head in the game. That's just the reality of who he is. Um, so that said, I think that this offense is going to be able to keep him keep his head in the game. If you watch the game and, and sort of key in him on a lot of these running plays, Odell was very active blocking downfield, very active. He was mixing it up. And I think he understands. First of all, he, he talked about he loves winning. Everybody loves winning. When it's going well, I don't think Odell is going to pout. If we're winning, we're really doing well, he's not getting the ball. And the way the offense is set up when we're running the play action, that's going to get him all kinds of free looks downfield. I mean, he shook that guy out of his shoes on that 43-yard touchdown. You know what I mean? He had single coverage. Last year, he was double, triple covered all the time. You know, so I think it's going to be good for him. He's got his buddy Jarvis to try to keep his head in the game. The play action game, the zone scheme is going to be great for him, getting him open looks. So I think we're going to be able to maximize what Odell can be in the league with when we have so many other strong options in terms of the running game uh, where they just can't sit on top of Odell and take away his whole game. So I'm excited about him going forward too as well. You know, four catches for 75 is not spectacular. It's not the eight, nine, 10 catches for a buck 60. Maybe he'll have those games going forward, but I think, you know, he'll enjoy the 70, 80, and occasional 100-yard game, plus we're winning, plus he gets to contribute blocking. I think he'll enjoy that, and I think he'll keep his head in the game going forward. One of the reasons why there wasn't as many targets for OBJ was our running game. That was, in my opinion, the performance of the night by Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They rushed for 210 yards. Um, they also – caught 24 yards and receiving for a total of 234 yards, and they had four TDs combined. What did you think about the running game on Thursday night? It's like something from a dream, is it not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, when you really think about it, uh, so when you look at all these running backs that are signing these monster uh, contracts, and Kareem Hunt is a true dual threat running back. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. And so he, by right, he should be getting paid twice as much as what he signed for. But he gave us a hometown discount, plus he's had these things in the past. He's happy to be here. He wanted to stay here. So we are blessed by that. We got Nick Chubb, this workhorse. So it was perfect. You know, Nick, you know, ran three quarters of the game. It was primarily Nick Chubb. And then they just brought in a fresh Kareem to finish them off. Can you imagine both of these two workhorses toward the end of the season? When you got these other teams, with they've got that single guy. He's tired, risk of injury. 
if one of these guys is out for two, three, four weeks, we do not really miss a beat. You know what I mean? I mean, it's really a unbelievable situation for us to have both of these guys, Kareem locked up for this year, plus two more. You can't even give Hunt, and I mean, you can't even give uh, Chubb an extension until next year. So the next two or three years, man, is, is really going to be critical for us to take advantage of this opportunity, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about how the season is going to play out. I, I posted on Twitter, you know, between the two of them, they're averaging, you know, I call him a Nickareem Chunt. That's the guy's <laughs> name. He's one, the one two-headed monster. 171 yards a game on the ground, averaging about uh, 5.89 yards per carry. At this rate combined, they will finish with uh, over 2,700 yards on the ground between the two of them. It was an unbelievable performance, and we know from Brown's Twitter that fans have been screaming from the rooftops for our running backs to run the football multiple times per game. We haven't been doing that up to this point, but Thursday night we rushed the ball 32 times between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Have we seen the blueprint for the Brown's success of running the football? Oh, yeah, and and – it's uh, the league hasn't found an answer. I mean, you look at uh, San Francisco last year, right? They had a three-headed monster, but there are three kind of patently average running backs. No, no big names, but they had the scheme, you know, so perfectly executed. I mean, that one playoff game, uh, Garoppolo threw like eight or ten passes over when they beat Green Bay. And uh, Baker Mayfield is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Baker Mayfield is a, a star. He has star accuracy. If he can get the total game together, be in this offense for a couple of years, you know, the sky's the limit. And I, I don't see anything stopping this because you've got two great running backs, two great running backs that just doesn't happen very often in the league. I think so, too. You know, if they stack the box, say that the opposing defense stacks the box, I mean, that's going to leave the middle of the field open. That's going to leave, uh, you know, our tight ends open for for catches. That's going to leave um, uh, Jarvis Landry open in the slot for catches. So much more happens. It's going to keep the defenses honest when our run game is like it is. And I'm a big fan of 30 to 35 carries per game for us to be successful. I think we saw the winning formula Thursday night. Well, I tell you what, too, man. Uh, you talked about uh, their stacking the box, leaving the middle of the field open. I think a name that was not mentioned uh, that should be is David and Joku. He's just more athletic than uh, Bryant and uh, and Hooper. Those guys are, are really good tight ends, but you know, the Joku is another level. You know, you, you see the catches he made in week one. You know, obviously he was schemed wide open on the touchdown, but that one down in the middle of the field, man, the guy is long, he's athletic, he can get up, he can jump. And so I think he's really going to be a nightmare in this scheme when he comes back. You know, uh, and 
Yeah, I was I was all for trading him. You know, he was disgruntled for a minute, but he showed me something when he decided to stay, and when he um during the first game against the Ravens. You know, so I think he's really going to be a killer weapon when he comes back in this scheme, man. When you talk about pick your poison, so it's it's really going to be something going forward. I'm looking forward to him returning and seeing what happens with him. Let's get to the defensive side of the ball. What was the stadium crowd the like during during the uh, forced fumble by Miles Garrett? Well, you know, it was right on time because that was <laughs> right after we uh, right after we didn't score, you know. And uh, kudos to to Stefanski for you know trying to pound the ball, you know, three or four times down there and going for it on fourth down. Um, when Miles Garrett finally got to him. And uh, Port Augustine, you know, lifted, <laughs> lifted, uh, lifted uh, Burrow's chin there and plastered him into the dirt. That was awesome. The fourth <laughs> fumble, the fumble recovery. They rushed five on that play, you know, all number 90s because uh, Goodson's wearing 93. He fooled me because it makes me think he's bigger than he really is wearing a 93. That was like 91, 93, 95, 97, and 98. And it was more hilarious when I watched the replay on TV because uh, Richardson felt so bad for him that he picked him up <laughs> off the ground and patted him on the head. Burrow, you know, he was having a hard time. But I think uh, they're taking the right approach with the, with the rotation, keeping the, keeping the legs fresh. You know, you got Miles in there all the time, but you're rotating Gust, uh, you know, Gustin. You got this kid, Jackson, who I have no idea who he is or where he came from. Um, loving Ogunjobi, obviously. Um, love Sheldon Richardson, man. That guy can run. He's he always all making tackles downfield, man. He always makes tackles downfield. You know, for a big ugly to be down the field like that all the time, I'm really impressed. So he's always in the backfield pushing the pocket. So, and that's what we're going to need to keep to give Miles his opportunities, you know. We need that other, you know, these other guys in rotation. Adrian Claiborne, you know, got the sack. So I'm really loving, you know, all these other guys are patently average, but working together and, and working with fresh legs and staying in rotation, I think we can really keep the pressure on. And again, that that strip, you know, the strip sack was right on time, man, because you figure, uh-oh, we didn't get in. Now they're going to drive down. We haven't been able to stop them. So it was real opportune. Um, it was the right play at the right time, and that's what you pay uh, That's what you pay Miles that $125 million for, to come up with that big play, you know, exactly when you need it. I was personally okay with going forward on fourth down. I thought it was a little risky, but I was okay with that play. Uh, you know, we had Cincinnati on the one-yard line, so they would have to go 99 yards. What I was discouraged about was uh, when we jumped off sides, uh, you know, and it brought Cincinnati out to the six-yard line. But, of course, Miles Garrett bailed us out and uh, got that uh, strip, uh, strip force fumble. Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think it was Ogan Joby who jumped. And um... – I, I think he was feeling eager to maybe get a safety there. But, you know, you got to know in that, in that situation, you know, don't jump. We got him on the one-yard line. You know, just hold your point of attack. You know, don't give him five yards for nothing, which we did. 
but again, you know, they, they're standing up, uh, they're standing up this guy in the pocket, you know, waiting for these routes to develop and they don't have an offensive line, you know, and it's, uh, it's not working out well for him. He's bailing them out a lot by taking the middle of the field and taking off running. Um, so he, he's bailing them out, but I don't like what, what the Bengals are doing with Burrow and their scheme. They got to figure something out because the offensive line talent is not going to improve unless they can get somebody in free agency. And if they're available in free agency at this point in the year, you know, how good are they? So, um, but you know, they're the enemy, so they can keep letting him get plastered. You hate to see the young kid take all those hits, you know, them, them ruin a good player, but it is what it is, I guess. I was calling for the defensive line to create chaos, which is what they did. Like you said, they, they, they hit Burrow. They made him uncomfortable. He did have a okay night. I mean, he threw the ball 61 times, zero picks, 316 yards and three TDs. I think Joe Burrow is going to be in the AFC North for a while. Oh yeah. I mean, he's uber talented, man. It, it depends on what they do around him. They showed the one graphic where all these first round picks for the Bengals had a losing record, including Carson Palmer, which I was surprised with. But he got hurt a lot there um, for whatever reason, uh, mismanagement of the roster or whatever. And you remember he lobbied to get the hell out of there and he ended up going to, uh, to Arizona. Uh, he hated it in Cincinnati. So, um, you know, they wouldn't be the first team to ruin a, a really good prospect or not get the full potential out of them. Detroit comes to mind with Matthew Stafford, you know. Um, but the guy, he's a great talent. Um, he's, got, he's got the legs, you know, to hurt you that way. He can stand tall in the pocket and deliver the ball. He's accurate. You know, I was really impressed. Um, so, you know, I'm glad he's not on the, you know, I'm glad the Steelers didn't draft him through some happenstance, you know, <laughs> because, you know, then we're really looking at something terrible. So. Before we move on from the defense, we have to mention this young man, Denzel Ward. He was all over the field. He was covering A.J. Green. We as Brown fans have seen A.J. Green burn us many, many times in the past, but he was held to 29 yards receiving. What did you think about Denzel Ward's performance on Thursday night? Well, I'll talk about Denzel and, and the whole defensive backfield. First of all, he was just covering them like a blanket. There was even there was one play where I don't know if it was uh, Green or somebody else where he actually tipped the ball, and he and and the guy caught the ball anyway. But he was just, I mean, he was just again covering him like a blanket. Um, the defensive line, Denzel made up for uh, the other deficiencies in the backfield, especially the safeties. Um, Money Mitch had his limitations, but he played up to you know he played up to his limit. Uh, he played decent. Um, there was a guy in the stands yelling, you know, uh, about Tavier Thomas. Get number 20 out of there. But I actually thought he had a good game. I think he led the team in tackles. He played off. I think the instruction was don't get beat over the top. So he was always there for the tackle. A lot of passes were called in front of them, in front of him. And you figure this is a guy who's coming from being a special teams ace. And now he's playing all these snaps. Um, and the slot. So Tavier Thomas, I think, had a good night based on his limitations as a player. Uh, we got a lot of work to do in terms of the safeties. I think both scheme-wise and talent-wise, 
the new kid, uh, was it Robinson that we got from uh, Jacksonville? Um, last week he played some snaps. He actually got in there. He's wearing number thirty-three now. Harrison. Um, Ronnie Harrison. Harrison. Ronnie Harrison. Yeah, he he actually got some snaps. I thought he looked pretty good. You know, it doesn't show up on the stat line, but I thought he did good with, you know, as far as the leadership role in our defense. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we got 10 days to get him ready now. He played this week. He's in the scheme. I think you're going to see less Sendejo. Uh, he led us with tackles, though, Sendejo. I know he caught did he? a lot. He did. <laughs> How many did he have? I know. Uh, I, he had 10 tackles Thursday night. Um, gotcha. He played. He definitely uh, played a lot better than week one. That's for sure. Yeah, I think Javier Thomas had nine. You know, and again they were catching. And I did. You know, watching the game, I thought he looked better than it seemed like watching from the stands. He did make a lot of tackles. He tried to keep stuff in front of them. He probably had some limitations. You know, just from an athleticism point of view. And you're, we're probably missing Grant Delpit. A great definitely, deal, definitely. When you're talking about getting, you know, some some higher level athletes in the defensive backfield, but you know, we get greedy back. Um, we get uh, Harrison up to speed. You know, I think it's it's going to come together. Uh, probably missing Mac Wilson in the middle, for sure. Um, I think I he's going to be back at some point this season. I know it's going to take him a couple of weeks to get back up to speed and in playing shape, but I look forward to Mac Wilson getting back with the with the Browns defense. Yeah, they talked about uh, you know initially six weeks, and then you know he doesn't need surgery. They were like four to six weeks. I think Mac is the kind of guy who's going to push it to four. You know, he's young and he's eager and he's enthusiastic, so. I think the defense is going to come together. And I think right now they're scheming uh, for what they have, you know, not being aggressive. They made uh, the Bengals, you know, we never got beat over the top, really. You know, they kept it in front of them and they, they made them burn clock. And if we can keep pressure on some of these quarterbacks, man, um, I think it's going to, I think it's going to, uh, trend up over the length of the season and, and again we're playing with a whole new scheme just like the offense you know the offense has more talent to exploit the new scheme but I think the defense is going to come together um, with the whole scheme that they're playing well very good spider I just have uh, two more questions and we're going to get you out of here I know you got to get back to to work um, you saw week one against the Ravens on TV, I imagine. I, I assume you did. Yeah. And, and mm -hmm. you definitely saw the Bengals game live in the stadium because I saw the pictures on the videos on Twitter to prove it. Um, what was the biggest difference with how the Browns played in week one versus week two? Well, I think, man, it was that the uh, – we just weren't ready for all of it. We weren't ready to fall behind. You know, Stefanski talk, talked about having to kind of give up on the run game based on uh, falling behind early. I think, to be honest, the coaches knew that we weren't ready based on that call to go for that uh, fake punt in our own territory. I think um, Stefanski knew if these guys get out ahead of us, it, it's over. And um, so I don't know that they made a whole hell of a lot of improvements. I mean, they only had four days. 
I think it was just more the opponent and we just weren't ready. It'll be really interesting to see when because we don't play the Ravens again until December. Um, I think that's a Monday night game in Cleveland. So it's going to be really interesting to see how far we've come at that point and if we can really have a, uh, a competitive game with them and maybe even and pull one out late in the season. That would be awesome. Um, this game was our prototypical game, except for, you know, the defense was kind of soft. But in terms of the offense, I think this is uh, exactly what we want to see week in and week out. I think it's going to develop more as they can add more wrinkles and really get more comfortable with it. The blocking was awesome. I think the guys look like they were enjoying getting out there in front of Chubb and Hunt and opening up holes. You know, the more they get, the more excited everybody else gets to participate in that, man, and all that success. So, so yeah, man, I'm excited about it. And I think uh, we're going to see more of week two than we will of week one. Even if a team gets ahead of us, I think Stefanski's going to stick more to the run um, going forward because that's just our strength and you got to keep it working to keep, uh, to keep using that play action. Well, one good thing about playing on Thursday night and winning on Thursday night is it makes football watching and and the fandom of football way more enjoyable on Sunday. So I'm excited about the games tomorrow. Um, I think you just kind of answered my last question is uh, how do we keep this kind of play? You know, how do we keep this momentum going? Um, I think you actually just answered that. So, yeah, sure, man. Uh, the defense is going to come together more, and that's going to make it even more exciting. You know, that's what I'm excited about to see. You know, the defense catch up to to the schemes. I think the tackling was pretty good, to be honest. I thought so too. Um, I didn't see a, a lot of missed tackles. I mean, the Bengals had a terrible time tackling Chubb and Hunt for sure. Um, but I thought the tackling was pretty good, and um, I think the back seven. Actually, you know, I was a little disappointed in Taki. He missed he missed some tackles in Taki Taki. But um, and you know, one name that we didn't hear much was uh, Joe Mixon. We really kept him in check. Thank God. Uh, you know, because he's he's a hell of a player. So they kind of took that away. You know, the Bengals kind of looked like the Browns did in Week One, except for they were there, they were able to have success in the passing game. But uh, we took away their run game, and, and they were behind, and they had to, you know, tell through th- 61 times. But as far as the Browns are concerned, the offense is what we expected, and I think it's going to be even more so. They're going to add some wrinkles here and there, but they're, it's, you know, our identity came through, and that's just going to get better and better. As the defense catches up, I think we're going to be a real contender, and people will really be talking talking about us once we're you know six seven eight games in here well very good the next time we'll see the browns is next sunday um i believe that's the 28th Mm -hmm. against Against the washington Washington football team in cleveland so that's going to be exciting we're going to have a a great week of practice and i'm definitely looking forward to that game well spider thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your eventful and very um, memorable night in the, in the first energy stadium. Um, where can listeners find and follow you? Oh, mostly on Twitter at Brown spider CLE. The season's going, so I'm posting a lot more 
and uh, I'm having a great time with it. Posted some videos uh, that I snatched off uh, highlight reels and stuff, and just with my uh, amateurish football commentary and uh, you know the odd joke here and there. So I'm having a lot of fun. I'm excited at Brown Spider CLE. Follow me. And hey, there's two tickets up for sale. You know Brown's Twitter. I mean, two tickets up for to be one. You guys are out here posting crap on uh, on Twitter anyway. So post under uh, hashtag best fan energy. Maybe somebody else will get a shot at winning those two tickets because they're doing it every week. Well, Spider, I thank you for coming on. This is your second visit to the Browns Huddle podcast. And I got to say, um, you are very knowledgeable about the game and you give great insight into our football team. So I definitely appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Jason. Always a pleasure. Well, let's do it again soon, soon, my friend. All right. You know how to get at me. I'll talk to you later, man. Absolutely. Go Browns. Go Browns.